informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for letting us be part of your day. A lot going on. We're going to kind of go to the classroom today. We have a couple of ag economists that will be joining us. University of Illinois ag economist Scott Irwin will join us. We'll talk about late planting and impact on yields and looking ahead to USDA numbers coming out tomorrow. And Purdue ag economist Michael Langemeyer will be joining us to give us the results of the April ag economy barometer uh, that's put out by Purdue and CME. Uh, and uh, as you would expect, uh, it has declined, took a big drop, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the program. And also, we're going to get a uh, planting progress update from the eastern part of Illinois. Matt Bennett will join us, and he's with agmarket.net. We'll also talk markets as we head into the numbers coming up from USDA tomorrow, so all that coming up later on the program. And while we're talking about things coming up, tomorrow I'm going to be in Decatur, Illinois, at the Farm Progress Show site and get an update on how things are going there. You know, everyone, as planning gets delayed more and more, everyone feels the pressure and under the gun, but especially if you're planting uh, for a three-day window that needs to be harvested at the end of August. That's what they're facing at the Farm Progress Show. If they want uh, crops ready to harvest there at the end of August. They want crops ready to harvest for that three-day show at the end of August, and that really puts them under the gun when they get behind. So we'll get an update. hope to even talk with a host farmer there at the show site tomorrow and get the very latest on where they're at in that Decatur, Illinois area at the Farm Progress Show site. And then also next week, Monday and Tuesday, I'll be in Washington, D.C., joined by farm broadcasters from across the country, the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Annual Washington Watch event. Monday, I'm going to be broadcasting from the offices of the American Farm Bureau Federation. And on Tuesday, I'll be broadcasting from USDA. So that's coming up next week. Coming up right now, though, we're going to go to Washington, D.C., and check in with Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications. Phil, thanks for joining us. I believe you're covering a House Ag Committee hearing, aren't you? Yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, uh, uh, they're talking about the farm economy, just as you are. With uh, They have uh, four uh, producers from uh, different parts of the country. So as uh, the subcommittee chairman said, starting it off, uh, they're going to get four stories about how it is. And he's uh, asking the question, is the economy as bad as it was in the 1980s? So that's, uh, that will be the focus. Uh, we'll we'll see what comes from that. And then also I know everybody's uh, paying close attention to the talks with China. Uh, they get together starting today, right? Uh, they do. Um, as you know, it's been uh, almost a week ago uh, that the president uh, said he was going to uh, raise the tariffs as of tomorrow to 25 percent, about $200 billion worth of China exports. That sent the markets down. Uh, yesterday, a little more positive uh, note coming out of the White House, maybe to calm the markets. But uh, yeah, um, a lot of, but nobody really knows what to expect. Yeah, I, I'm kind of predicted that they'll come up with some announcement that China's done or said just enough that the, maybe will the president will hold off on slapping the tariff increase and they'll agree to talk some more. But but we'll see. As you said, no one really knows for sure. We'll see what <laughs> yeah. we'll see what comes yeah. out of it. Hey. What are you hearing there on Capitol Hill as far as a disaster bill? Well, it's a good question. Uh, you know, 
Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has said he, uh, he wants to get this done by Memorial Day, a uh, week-long recess then. That potentially sets a deadline of Memorial Day or the Thursday before that for them to get this passed and off to the White House. And I think what's happening right now is we're on a little bit of a standoff. Uh, we've got a number of issues. Puerto Rico is the big one. Uh, but there's some other ones, too, even involving Republicans in the White House uh, or, for example, spending from the Harbor Maintenance Fund for Army Corps of Engineers uh, projects. So it's, uh, you know, what we're hearing is, you know, very little progress right now, uh, but this is probably going to need a few days yet to play out. Okay, meanwhile, we see EPA's timeline for the new Waters of the U.S. rule has been pushed back a little bit. Yeah, that's a, that's, it, it's a difficult, it's, it's a, writing that rule is a heavy lift. Uh, they really, uh, they, see what the real deadline here is, um, and that's the election. Um, and actually well before the election to actually get this finalized and under law. Uh, so in the, in the possibility that if the, the president doesn't get reelected and is a Democratic president, Democratic Congress, uh, uh, if they waited too long to get this rule finalized, it's possible that our Congress, uh, the president, could uh, repeal it fairly easily. And we'd be back to square one. Yeah. And, Phil, this fight over moving a couple of USDA agencies out of Washington, D.C., this thing is really starting to get kind of nasty, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is. You've got the, there's been a lot of economists have been opposed to moving the Economic Research Service in particular. That's the real flashpoint. Uh, they've been uh, very concerned about moving that. There's a lot of uh, concern, I think, that uh, uh, the agency would be downgraded and a lot of its work would be downgraded if they move. That's uh, the uh, Association of Land Grants and Public Universities came out uh, last week and uh, started raising concerns. On the other hand, though, uh, Secretary Purdue uh, seems to be uh, moving forward with this, and uh, it's not clear um, whether Congress would even move to stop him, even if he doesn't get it done uh, fairly soon. Yeah, there have been reports of people leaving this, uh, uh, the agency, and what's been termed a, a brain drain, if you will, losing people. And now we see that employees of the Economic Research Service will be voting today whether or not to unionize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we have not gotten much information out of uh, USDA in terms of uh, how many people have actually left, how many people are going to, are willing to move. And yeah, this, uh, we're watching this union vote uh, today to see what happens with that. Yeah. And then uh, one other note, uh, USMCA, uh, what, what are you hearing there? I mean, if, it, if that came for a vote today, would it pass? doesn't look like it, uh, certainly in the House. Uh, it's not – it's just pretty problematic. Uh, we talked to uh, House Agriculture Chairman Colin Peterson about a week ago, and he said what he's hearing from Democratic colleagues is that it can't – probably can't pass in this Congress. Um, you know, the White House has certainly not given up uh, by any means, and uh, farm organizations are not, uh, not ready to give up by any means. But uh, uh, there are a number of issues. Uh, House Speaker Pelosi 
said very recently that it's got to be renegotiated on enforcement. Uh, Mexico has said, no way, uh, we're not reopening this. Uh, we still have the tariffs on Mexico and Canada. That's a problem for a lot of lawmakers on both sides of the aisle. So it's a uh, prospect are very cloudy right now. All right, we'll let you get back into that uh, House Ag Committee hearing, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Phil. Okay, great, great to be here. All right. Bill Brash here with AgriPulse Communications, joining us from Capitol Hill. All right, coming up next, University of Illinois Ag Economy, Ag Economist Scott Irwin on AOA. Powerful. Effective. Proven. Consistent. Reliable. A lot of adjectives can describe a herbicide's weed control, but one only applies to Liberty Herbicide. Superior. Liberty Herbicide has no known resistance in row crops, more convenient application flexibility, and excellent control of key weeds. All backed by the Liberty Weed Control Guarantee. Learn more at liberty.basf.com. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, joining us from Fargo, North Dakota, Rusty Halverson, Farm Director for the American Ag Network, about Secretary Purdue coming to North Dakota, and Rusty was there to cover it. Thanks for joining us this morning. Rusty, um, what was the takeaway from the Secretary's visit? Well, good morning, Mike. The Secretary is in town to have a roundtable with leaders of the area commodity groups and also get a little preview of some technology that we're working on here in the Red River Valley in North Dakota. But the main takeaway from that roundtable, I think, Mike, was trade, trade, trade. Everybody's concerned about our negotiations on trade deals, not only with China, but also the EU and how they say they don't want ag as part of the talks. And there's some optimism about our talks with Japan and, and the potential that we have in that market. So mostly trade, but also obviously the weather too, Mike, was uh, heavy on many producers' minds. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Everyone responds differently to change. Some are frightened by it, some try to ignore it, and some are inspired by it. Poet has always shared a true connection with farmers. And like farmers, we see the world differently. We're inspired by change. So when it comes to the challenge of climate change, we see opportunity to make the air cleaner, to make our country safer, to leave the planet we've been given just a little better. Biofuels and oil alternatives, solutions for a brighter, more sustainable world. Get inspired with us. Visit Poet.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, Immigration Reform, Reducing Regulations, Trade, New Technology, as well as Infrastructure and Healthcare. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're gonna go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You gotta dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't. Because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world 
your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Talk 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 There's a lot of talk coming from the makers of wheat fungicides these days. And some of them are really talking up some pretty big claims. But when you eliminate the fungicides that are Johnny-come-latelys, the ones without a proven track record, and the ones from makers who consider wheat to be just an afterthought, there's really only one left to talk about. The one you know and can trust. Caramba fungicide from BASF. It gives you best-in-class head scab suppression, top-level dawn reduction, and excellent control of late-season foliar diseases. And all of that gives you a proven yield advantage over untreated infected wheat acres. Caramba fungicide from BASF. For time-proven performance you can trust, everything else is just... Talk, 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 To learn talk, how Caramba fungicide can help your wheat's yield potential, talk to your BASF representative. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. We're talking with University of Illinois ag economist Scott Irwin. Scott, thanks for joining us. Let's talk late planning or delayed planning, however you want to say it. But uh, we've kind of... Uh, had that May 10th date in mind, and now we've kind of pushed that to a May 20th date for, you know, getting really worried about uh, the impact of, of delayed planning. Uh, how do you view this and the, imp- the potential impact on yield? Well, we're, we're staring in the face of potentially um, equaling some of the historical highs in terms of the amount of the U.S. corn crop that gets planted late at least the way we define it, which is after May 20th. And those historical highs in the last uh, 30, 40 years occurred in the 1990s, uh, where we were uh, getting 30, 40% of the crop planted after May 20th. That kind of scenario is in play, I think, that, but the key number to really pay attention to that we found in our analysis is whether we're going to be – more like 25 or 30 percent late and that's where we seem to really get into the big yield impacts so next week becomes a key week then oh absolutely uh you know some people like the usda's models uh they look at may 15th uh as the cutoff date we've chosen to use may 20th whichever one you use next week is absolutely key Well, we know, even though the move is to earlier planning when possible, uh, we know that there have been years where we've uh, planted late and still had good yields, but it sure puts a lot of pressure on a lot of things to go right the rest of the year. Absolutely. We know, the, the way I look at it, in the years when we've been more than 10% above average for late planting as we define it, Uh, we've had six times that that's happened since 1980. So it doesn't happen 
a lot, around 15% of the time, that you get into these kind of circumstances. Uh, but we're definitely into that kind of scenario. Uh, in, the, in those six years, trend yields were below corn trend yield five out of six times by an average of about six bushels an acre. And to me, that's, that's the real take-home message. If, if that's the way it plays out, you know, the odds highly favor um, a yield that is anywhere from slightly to moderately below trend. There's also the situation, even though, you know, we look at crop that's not yet planted, maybe we also ought to look at some that is planted because it's been planted in less than ideal conditions, not only wet, but uh, in some places cold. Uh, Absolutely. I think this is one of the years where, in some sense, the accuracy of the data that we already have in terms of planted acreage. For example, we were at 23% uh, national last year. How much of that is now going to have to be replanted? It it will be a um, sizable amount. I don't have any idea how much ultimately, but it it will be significant. So we're really not even at 23% this year, in my opinion. I mean, they haven't planted much, uh, for goodness sake, (coughs) excuse me, in Minnesota. But, uh, you know, maybe some of that got a little bit of snow. Yeah, I think a lot of farmers initially relieved they got, you know, what they did planted, but now maybe concerned about uh, some of that and wondering about replant. I mean, there's so many questions. Uh, replant, uh, corn acres switch to bean acres, prevent plant. I mean, there's a lot of unknowns yet on this crop. Absolutely. Um we're just getting ready to publish today an analysis of the relationship between late planting and um, and acreage switch, switches and prevent planting uh, for U.S. corn. And it looks to me like, uh, interestingly enough, the relationships are more solid for acreage switches than they are what to expect for yield. And that really kind of makes sense if you think about it, Mike, because yield is still very unpredictable from this point forward because we've got to go through summer weather. You know, but those acreage decisions are going to be made and they can't be changed by anything that happens in the future. So um, I actually think that what we're going to be getting into is a bigger acreage story for corn than anything that we want to project on yield. We're talking with University of Illinois ag economist Scott Irwin. Scott, we talk about all that. We set that scenario. Uh, the traders, the markets still assume big yields, though. Well, that's right. Um, you know, uh, the USDA has been at 176, and I think the, the, the market has been, I think, really sticking with that. Uh, we're going to have a first interesting test of how things play out with the USDA May WASD that comes out tomorrow, and that always contains you know, an updated yield forecast from their uh, February um, Ag Outlook Forum forecast, which was 176 bushels per acre, and I think probably most of the trade starts there as a a pretty decent estimate of the U.S. corn trend yield. Uh, But um, what's the USDA going to do? I was just working out this morning what their models indicate for um, projections, assuming 
where we're at with mid-May corn planting progress. And, you know, based on at least the models they've used in the past, they ought to be dropping their yield forecast by a surprising amount tomorrow. What they will actually do, I, I don't know, but that's that's what their models suggest. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see what come what they come up with tomorrow. And, you know, a lot of times we say when these reports come out, in many years, you know, we say, hey, they're, they're outdated when they come out because they reflect a period of time, you know, earlier. Uh, even more so this year, wouldn't you think, the way the conditions are, that the, it may, you know, we're getting more rain here as we speak on May 9th. Already those numbers could be way out of date. You know, absolutely. Now, when the USDA makes their May corn yield forecast, in the past they've used a model that includes a planting progress variable. And otherwise, in the past, they just simply take that model, um, start with uh, normal planting progress, and make a projection. And that's, and everything else is just assumed to be normal. Uh, but they have a lot of information right now about what the likely level of mid-May planting is going to be this year. And, you know, we can disagree exactly where we're going to be with corn planting progress next Wednesday. But uh, historically, that average is around 73% of the crop planted by May 15th. And we're certainly not going to be anywhere near that this year, are we, Mike? No, not even close. But they may – they. It'll be interesting how much they factor into that, how much they are projecting uh, what's happening right now and what the forecast is. Uh, so maybe they'll they'll figure that in. What do you think? Well, what If you were guessing, what do you think that number is going to be from them? Uh, 172. 172, so a drop of four. Mm-hmm. Hmm, so okay. I'm, I'm, I'm using gonna... the – I'm using, Mike, the uh, split the difference method. <laughs> um, I just did a bunch of calculations this morning, and it looks like um, if they were true to the model that they've used in the past, they'd have to drop their yield forecast all the way down to 167. They're never obviously going to no. do that. So split that. the difference. There you go. That, that, okay. that was how I came up with 172. All right. <laughs> so I've got, I've got Scott Irwin down at 172. We'll see, we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah they're never going to yeah. drop it. All the way down that much uh, in one shot. And you know, maybe shot. you know, on yield, I would. Uh, um, but I think what'll be even more interesting. Everybody's focused on yield, but what are they going to assume about corn planted acreage? I right. mean, they usually don't don't do any projections, but right now, I, I mean. I was just looking at some data, Mike. We're looking at there's over two million acres of corn that is supposed to have been planted in Louisiana, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Mississippi. And and no one's talking about it, but that area is actually by far and away the worst off in terms of wetness and flooding, and they're already past their prevent plant date on corn. So I, I think that uh, a big story is likely to be the amount of corn prevent uh, planted acres both in the Delta South, and now probably in the far northern part of the Corn Belt. I, I think we're probably talking about millions of acres. Wow. All right, so we'll watch and see what USDA comes out with tomorrow. Scott, as always, good to talk with you. Thanks a lot. Always fun. Thanks, Mike. 
University of Illinois Ag Economist Scott Irwin. Up next, Purdue Ag Economist Michael Langmeyer talking about the Ag Economy Barometer. That's next here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Talk 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 There's a lot of talk coming from the makers of wheat fungicides these days. And some of them are really talking up some pretty big claims. But when you eliminate the fungicides that are Johnny-come-latelys, the ones without a proven track record, and the ones from makers who consider wheat to be just an afterthought, there's really only one left to talk about, the one you know and can trust, Caramba fungicide from BASF. It gives you best-in-class head scab suppression, top-level Don reduction, and excellent control of late-season foliar diseases. And all of that gives you a proven yield advantage over untreated infected wheat acres. Caramba fungicide from BASF. For time-proven performance you can trust, everything else is just... Talk, 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 talk. Talk, 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 To learn talk, how Caramba fungicide can help your wheat's yield potential, talk to your BASF representative. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Whether you're on the road or in the field, you need more than typical number two diesel. You need a heavy duty diesel like Cenex Premium Diesel. It comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. It's the diesel that keeps your equipment out of the shop and restores power by as much as four and a half percent and fuel economy by up to five percent. So ask yourself, if you could be any diesel, which diesel would you be? Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Everyone responds differently to change. Some are frightened by it, some try to ignore it, and some are inspired by it. Poet has always shared a true connection with farmers, and like farmers, we see the world differently. We're inspired by change. So when it comes to the challenge of climate change, we see opportunity to leave the planet we've been given just a little better. Biofuels, oil alternatives, nutrient-rich proteins. These solutions create cleaner air and a more sustainable world. Get inspired with us. Visit Poet.com. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Global stock markets remained under pressure on Thursday after China's Commerce Ministry said Beijing would retaliate if the U.S. follows through with a plan to raise tariffs on Chinese imports. The negative tone that's gripped the markets this week, triggered by a threat from the president to go ahead with plans to impose more tariffs on Chinese goods this Friday. On Thursday, Beijing said it will impose necessary countermeasures if the increases take effect as planned. Negotiations are scheduled to continue in Washington on Thursday and to include China's top trade official. Trade tensions weighing on livestock futures at the Merck. With China banning pork from Canada, now Canada is offering pork into the U.S. market, according to The Wire Talk. Soybeans sank on Wednesday. Overhead gap resistance for July remains open on the daily charts from 8.40 and a half to 8.36 and a quarter. That's a bearish sign. An hour into the trading day, July soybeans at 8.11 and a quarter, down 16 cents. November down 16 and a quarter, 8.34 and a quarter. July corn down eight and a quarter at 356. December 375 and a quarter down seven. Wheat's defensive. Chicago July down ten and a half at 428 and a half. Kansas City July down seven and three quarters, 395 and three quarters. 
Minneapolis spring wheat, the new crop, September down six and three quarters at 522 and a quarter of a cent. Livestock at the Merck June live cattle, 37 cents higher at 111.45, but the back months are 25 to 60 cents lower. August feeder cattle down 60 cents at 143.22. Lean hogs June down $1.15 at 87.40. The Dow down 360 points. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. The Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer in April declined by 18 points compared to March. Joining us now to talk about it is Purdue Ag Economist Michael Langmeyer. Michael, thanks for joining us. Uh, Quite a drop, and this not only indicates uh, farmers' views for the present, but also the future, doesn't it? Yes, there's two sub-indices that make up the Ag Ag Barometer Index, the Index of Current Conditions and the Future Expectations Index, and both of those fell very sharply. Uh, And so it, it, it... it, it shows that there's concern both short-term and concern more long-term uh, you know, five years out. Now, you've been doing this uh, barometer since uh, 2015. Is this one of the biggest declines uh, that you've seen since you started yeah, it? This is, the, this is the fourth largest one-month drop uh, since we started this in October 2015. Now, tell us, uh, for those not familiar with the barometer, tell us uh, how it's done. Okay, we, every month we survey 400 producers. They, they, they're, large, they're large producers in, in that they have a gross income over $500,000, and we try to re- represent uh, the main commodities in agriculture, but we do exclude vegetables and, and nut production. And what are the questions you ask them? We ask them a combination of questions related to current conditions and future conditions, but we also ask them questions very specifically uh, about things like land, where they think land values are heading in the next year, uh, and then longer term, five years out, we ask we ask them questions about uh, whether they're bullish or bearish with respect to corn and soybean prices. And so every month we ask a slightly different set of questions. Uh, however, there is five questions that go do go into the Ag Barometer Index that are asked every single month. Uh, those five questions uh, contain some questions related to the current situation uh, and also uh, the future uh, future situation. 
Okay, let's get into some of those. What are farmers saying they expect farmland prices to do in the coming months? The, uh, the, uh, when you look at uh, the, the short term, there's a higher percent now that think that there's going to be softness in land values or land values are actually going to decline uh, compared to what we saw uh, in, in March and in previous months. But also uh, there's a higher percent, there's still a minority, but there's a higher percent that think land values are going to be uh, relatively soft or going to decline five years in the future. And that's a pretty big change because, because in the last several months people have been pretty pessimistic short term but they've been more optimistic long-term, and, and I don't want to overstate this, but we are seeing more pessimism uh, both short-term and long-term. And so, and so the fact that we have a, a higher percent of people that think land values are going to decline uh, uh, five, years, five years from now or five years from now they're going to be lower, uh, it's it really showing how much pessimism there really is associated with the, with the current and, and, and future conditions. What are they saying about their their own farm's financial performance, what they expect? They're becoming increase, increasingly concerned about 2019. If we think about this, that this makes sense. Uh, 2018 was helped considerably uh, with the market facilitation program payments, particularly for crop producers, of course, because those are primarily focused on, on soybeans. Uh, but also we had relatively strong yields, uh, particularly in the Corn Bill, but also in parts of the of Plain States, uh, in the important uh, corn and soybean states, uh, and so those really helped income. You look at 2019, and it's been pretty wet, as you know, and, uh, you know, trend yields is, is probably a good goal for this year. We have higher fertilizer costs we're dealing with. There's weakness in crop prices. I listened to you, I was listening to your show before I came on, and that, that's obvious that, that there's continued weakness in crop prices, particularly soybeans, and then this trade uncertainty. All of those things combined make 2019 look really tough uh, compared to 2018, and, I, and, and that's, that's why we saw this big drop uh, in the current conditions index. We're talking with the Purdue Ag Economist Michael Langmeyer. Uh, Michael, you know, there's so much uh, wrapped around these talks with China going on today, uh, the latest round, um, and so much hope being pinned on those, uh, some kind of a positive resolution, a trade deal, and get trade going again with China. What did farmers uh, say about these trade talks? Are they still optimistic, or are they starting to become pessimistic on those too? They're less optimistic, I think is the way to put that. They're not pessimistic yet, but they're less optimistic than they were. We've been asking a, a, several questions related to the trade dispute with China. Uh, in the April survey, 28% of the respondents felt that the dispute would be resolved before July 1. So 28% thought this would be resolved before July 1. That's down from 45% in March. And so, as you know, as this drags on, uh, that has a, a big dampening impact on soybean prices. And so, and, and so that's less op- certainly less optimistic uh, in April compared to March. Uh, we'd expect similar, a similar uh, trend to, to occur in May. Uh, given recent developments. Having said that, however, uh, there's still about 70% of the uh, farmers surveyed indicate that this is going to be resolved in a way that benefits U.S. agriculture. So that's a key uh, question. Uh, they remain optimistic that in the long run this is going to, to play out uh, in, in favor of U.S. agriculture. We'll, we'll continue to ask that question uh, to see if they still feel that way uh, as, as if, if this drags into the summer. Did you ask about other trade issues, whether it's USMCA or TPP or those types we of things? We did ask a, a separate question uh, related to TPP. 
Uh, did, did they, and we asked this question: Do you think it would be? Do you think that U.S. should rejoin uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership? And 47% were favorable uh, in in us rejoining um, uh, TPP. Uh, the remaining percent were either not in favor of this or were uncertain. Uh, there was a pretty large group that were uncertain, uh, 25%. And so there's, there's there's just a lot of a lot of uncertainty, a lot of confusion uh, regarding how this may play out. And really, when we look at these numbers, I guess they're not surprising. Given all the uncertainty that the farmers are dealing with right now, trying to get crops planted, crop prices being where they are, and the trade talks still you know, up in the air, uh, it, it's kind of all come together and hit all at once here on the, on the ag economy. Definitely. I mean, I, I did quite a few meetings uh, over the winter uh, talking, you know, they were outlook-oriented, and, and, and certainly things look much more positive. Po- uh, optimistic about three months ago and so it's just a combination of things have come together here including the weather uh, that really uh, made farmers more pessimistic I would it'll be really interesting to see what the main numbers will be because by then we'll have a pretty good idea about uh, the planting we'll have hopefully a better idea on uh, on the trade deals which would impact probably prices so uh, the the next report will really be telling I would think Yes, and then we will be surveying farmers next week, and so it'll be kind of a mid-May survey, and I think you're right. It'll really be telling and to see what happens in May, but also in June, you know, after a lot of the crop is planted to see what their thoughts are. Michael, what, what's your big takeaway from this? As we said, it's not a real surprise. Uh, I I look at those uh, futures numbers uh, where they're talking about how they feel it's going to be, you know, years from now, four or five years from now, and gauging, you know, if they're losing that optimism. To me, that's a significant uh, uh, category. That's my biggest takeaway from this. I'm not surprised that the current condition index is relatively weak, given everything that we've talked about here but I was a little bit surprised to see uh, more weakness in, in the future expectations because people were, in general, fairly optimistic uh, looking five years out. And that's the way the questions are, are phrased, uh, is looking five years out. And, and that's starting to, 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 to dampen a bit. And that, that has huge implications, on obviously, on cash rents and land values. Uh, you know, if, if, again, looking back a few months, it looked like uh, stable cash rents and land values were in the cards. Now, given everything that's going on, uh, we start to wonder if, if that's possible uh, to, to have stable cash rents and land values or there might be some weakness in cash rent and land values. And so there's just a lot of implications of this uh, weakness in the future expectations index. Interesting that today the House Ag Committee holding a hearing on the ag economy and and looking at the state of the ag economy now and even comparing it to the 80s. Uh, I mean, this is this is the big question right now. Where are we? Uh, where are we historically, and where are we headed? Yes, and, and one of the things one of the things we always talk about when we talk about we talk about the comparison with the 80s, the, the margins are low and liquidity is very very tight. Uh, you know, on average, and, and for a fairly high percentage of the farms, one of the things that's really helped us uh, in this latest uh, latest uh, time period is land values have held. I mean, obviously, we've taken 20% to 25% drop across the Corn Belt, depending on the state you're looking at. But that's after land values more than doubled uh, from 2006 to 2014. So one of the saving graces, if you will. Uh, and this, in this uh, recent years is the fact that land values have held steady. That's why I mentioned 
that anything, any, any signal that, that there may be uh, more weakness in cash rents and land values is disconcerting. Yeah, because land is an watch. extremely important part of the balance sheet. Uh, over 80% of the U.S. balance sheet is agriculture land. Uh, and so, and so what happens to land has a huge impact, uh, a huge impact on, on their ability to borrow money. Sure does. And the other key is interest rates, right? Yes, and in, interest rates have, have remained relatively low. That's been certainly helpful. But the, the biggest problem with increasing interest rates, uh, if, if, if that does happen uh, down the road here, the biggest problem with de- decreasing interest rates isn't so much uh, the interest cost, though that's a problem, is what it, is the impact of interest rates on land values. Uh, increasing interest rates really uh, causes the land values to decline, uh, holding everything else constant. And so, and so that's probably a bigger concern uh, than the higher interest costs. Yep, so we keep a close watch on those land values for sure. Michael, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. We'll try to talk with You're you welcome. again next month. All right, take okay. care. Bye. Purdue Ag Economist Michael Langmeyer with uh, the results uh, from April of the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer. All right, coming up next, another planting update. We'll take a look at Eastern Illinois and also talk some markets with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. Stay with us on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited-time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable Bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information, and then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. Recently on Adams on Agriculture... Pete McClymouth's with us, Executive Vice President of the Nebraska Cattlemen's. Pete, last time we talked, you were still trying to get an assessment on uh, the losses and the situation. Now that you've had a little bit of time, uh, what can you tell us? Can you give us an update? 
we've heard some producers have been made whole if they've had a good insurance plan in place. And so if there's no reason for them to sign up for a livestock indemnity program funds via USDA, we might have a really hard time knowing the number. But this could stretch into the middle of the summer when we get a good handle on it. So I'm not answering the question specifically, but I think given 1.94 million beef cows in our state, you know, and coupled with some other losses, I think it would be fair to say easily over 200, maybe 250,000. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. People respond differently to change. Some are frightened by it, some try to ignore it, and some are inspired by it. Those who spend their days tending to the land have a unique perspective on change. They see it up close every day, as one season fades into another, as a seed grows into a stalk, as a field of gold is spun out of the land, sun, and sky. Change is their livelihood. Since the beginning, Poet has shared a fundamental connection with farmers. And like farmers, we see the world differently. We are inspired by change. Climate change may be the most daunting challenge yet, but we believe it's not insurmountable. The same spirit of innovation that helped build a worldwide biofuels industry will help us tackle the environmental issues we're facing today together. Sustainable biofuels, oil alternatives, nutrient-rich proteins. These solutions create cleaner air and a more sustainable world. Get inspired with us. Visit Poet.com. So you want to stay on top of the week's agriculture news and have it available at your fingertips. Well, tune in to the American Ag Network Week in Review podcast. It's 15 minutes of the week's top agriculture stories, published every Saturday and available anytime on iTunes, TuneIn, and Podbean, or by clicking the link on our website, AmericanAgNetwork.com. Tune in to the American Ag Network Week in Review podcast to go more in-depth on the week's top stories. Data is data is data. Unless you work with FS, then your data comes with expert insight. Tapping into a wide range of technologies through MyField, your FS crop specialist evaluates trial data from your farm, along with only the most qualified aggregated data that reveals trends in your area. With MyField, your FS crop specialist delivers the insights you need to build your ROI. Learn how results from FS nitrogen trials can be applied to your farm at fsmyfield.com. FS, bringing you what's next. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, let's go to Eastern Illinois for a planting update. Matt Bennett's with us from agmarket.net. Matt, thanks for joining us. Uh, how much planting in the eastern part of Illinois? Uh, not a whole lot, actually. Uh, there's a little bit uh, done here this week. had a couple of neighbors that were on fully tiled pieces uh, actually yesterday that were able to plant some corn, and it looked good. Um, I don't think they were doing anything wrong by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, uh, we were to the point where we probably could have run as well, uh, but we didn't want to plant it right in front of this rain. We ended up anywhere from, uh, you know, eight-tenths to two inches, depending on who you talk to. So, you know, uh, it's a cold rain. It's kind of frustrating, and I think they'll probably be okay. Uh, but for the most part, there's just very little done. I, maybe maybe uh, uh, four or five percent uh, in this entire region here. 
You got up to two inches last night? Yeah, it depends on who you talk to. Guys north of me, some of those guys got up to two inches. Uh, some guys are looking at eight tenths. It just depends on who you talk to. But uh, most people, uh, the guy in my office, he was an inch and uh, four tenths uh, over around Moequa. So, uh, you know, it just depends on who you talk to. Wow. Uh, so we had Scott Irwin from the University of Illinois on earlier, and we were kind of trying to predict what USDA will come out with tomorrow as far as the uh, corn yield. And he was guessing they'll be at down to 172. He thought it ought to be probably lower, but he was going to go with 172. What are you looking at in that number? You know, typically I saw Scott's thread on Twitter, and it was awfully interesting, and uh, and he makes a valid point. Uh, typically we don't see an adjustment in May. Uh, it could happen, of course, uh, especially – uh, looking at uh, the abnormal spring that we're having, I sure hope that Scott's right. If I was going to be betting money, I would probably say that it's going to be uh, uh, that that yield they've been using all along around 176. But uh, Scott's a lot smarter than what I am, so I hope that uh, I sure hope that Scott's right on that. So it'd be a very interesting number. Uh, I don't think that's the number everyone's going to necessarily be looking at, though. Right, they're they're trying to make it as current as they can, but uh, it's hard to with the way these conditions are right now, and the forecast being what it is. Uh, the acres number is really the one that's up in the air, isn't it? Yeah, I mean the acreage number. I don't know that they're going to address that yet either, uh, but that's certainly something that we have to be cognizant of. Uh, you know, given the fact that uh, so many people were sitting here looking at uh, uh, looking at inclement weather uh, here this whole month. Uh, there's no question that uh, we've got, uh, uh, you know, we've got a lot of question marks. You know, whenever you talk about preventative plan, for instance, uh, so many people didn't get any anhydrous on. They didn't have any chemicals on. They don't have much invested in this crop. And so I do know uh, for a fact a few people that are at least telling me this, they're praying for two more rains, you know, so so they can take preventative plan because at this stage of the game, you know, they've got weeds waist high and, uh, no anhydrous on. They don't have anything invested in the crop. So what, you know, uh, it's a better option for some folks uh, to at least think about this prevent plant. It's just a, it's just a different and a unique year altogether. And even though you can go back and compare it to some years past, there, there's some conditions this year that just make it seem different than others. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, it, it's definitely a different year. You know, I think we would all agree that if we all were able to get in the field. Uh, you know, and let's say that, um, you know, uh, the anhydrous is already on and all this corn is going to get planted next week. I don't think anybody would disagree that we could still be looking at awfully good corn yields. But this, this planting process is not going to be as quick as what it typically is, uh, for one thing, because of the anhydrous, for another thing, because of, like I said, some of these fields are getting green. And uh, a lot of guys that weren't able to get residual chemical applied last fall there was a very, very narrow window similar to what there was for anhydrous. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely a different year. I don't think we're going to even come close to 92.8 million acres personally. Uh, where we're going to come in at uh, is very highly dependent upon what happens here in the next two weeks. But right now I'm, I'm just thinking we're going to lose at least a million and a half acres. That's just, uh, that's just a lot guess. When do the markets start thinking or uh, uh, coming to accept that the the yield is going to be could be significantly down. You know, <clears throat> my gut, boy, that's a good question. Uh, this has been frustrating. You know, you come in here, uh, uh, come in here the day before the report, and you see these markets absolutely getting killed. 
You know, uh, people are asking, well, what's this due to? Is it due to what Trump said in Florida last night? You know, is it due to uh, some people looking at maybe a little better forecast for next week? You know, I read Drew Lerner just a little bit ago, and he's saying uh, there might be mildly better conditions for some folks. But he's not talking about a big widespread window. So, you know, uh, well, I, I just, uh, this stage of the game, it's tough to tell when. Uh, we're going to start caring about this, but at this stage, I don't even know that the market cares uh, what's going on with with the weather. Uh, it, it seems crazy, uh, but I think that we've been so conditioned over the years to uh, know that this crop can get planted very quickly. And I think that there are those out there in the market that hear people like me talk about agronomically being behind the eight ball due to last fall, and they're just rolling their eyes saying, yeah, they can still get this stuff done. But, Mike, you and I both know uh, having to work ground, uh, letting it air a little bit, and then getting it to be a good seed bed uh, whenever you're looking at weeds, uh, weedy fields, unlike what we've seen the last few years, that's not as easy as what it sounds. And so uh, this is a challenge. I don't know when the market's going to turn around, but uh, uh, if the funds have to cover their shores, I think the door won't end up being wide enough, especially if you can get some sort of a trade deal, which I'm losing confidence there, too. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We may learn more today or tomorrow on that. We will see. All right, Matt, thanks a lot, and we'll uh, be watching see what USDA comes out in their numbers tomorrow. Thanks a lot. Yep, thanks for having me. Take care. Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. All right, so coming up tomorrow, I'm going to go to Decatur, Illinois, at the Farm Progress Show site, and we'll see what conditions are like there, how much they have planted, and uh uh, where they're at, and remember, they're trying to get uh, crops planted that can be harvested uh, at the end of August for the three-day Farm Progress Show. We'll see if they are on schedule or if they're going to have to make some adjustments or just what are they thinking. Also, we're going to get a uh, planning report tomorrow from Ohio, see what's going on in the Buckeye State. Vice President Pence going to Minnesota today to talk trade, and we're going to talk with the president of the Minnesota Farm Bureau, Kevin Papp, tomorrow about that meeting as well as planning progress in the state of Minnesota. Hope you'll join us tomorrow on AOA.